0: Well, listeners, we've got a few listeners now. We've got one in the Kremlin on our Facebook account. This is episode one of season two. How exciting is that? This is the first new season we've had since the end of the Second World I War. I thought
1: it was series two, like Netflix.
0: All right, whatever. We had season... seasons in the sun. Yes, we did. Dung dung dun, dun. dun, dun woo, woo, woo. Anyway, season two, episode one, where we answer questions from our listener or listeners. Yeah, but I
1: don't speak Russian
0: <laughs> or Scottish. <laughs> As always, Mike, it's fabulous to see you again. I and mean, you're looking very dapper and very well, I have to say. you're Dennis the Menace striped T-shirt. Well, I
1: have had a haircut.
0: Yeah, I noticed that. I thought you might have just got out of
1: Winston Green. Well, that as well. But I had to have a haircut to come out of Winston Green. <laughs> have you still got the tag? Well, I tried to claim that I was a woman so I could go to the woman's prison, but um, they weren't having any of it unless I was Scottish. She's been arrested, hasn't she? I
0: know. It's her and Mr Salmon. Yeah.
1: And they both now have been arrested. There's a message there not to have a surname that's a type of fish. Yeah, and live in Scotland. Because Buster Crab got killed, don't forget. Oh, yeah. He He got killed. So there's a link. Yeah. There's a link there. Yeah. Crab, Salmon. Yeah. Sturgeon. Dolphin. Yeah Dolphin, Grey. Wasn't he an
0: actor? Mr. Dolphin? Yeah, wasn't he an actor? Can't remember. Yeah,
1: he was in one of these action movies I'm sure. Anyone else? Pilchard? I think there was a Pilchard actually, thinking about it. There's the three Pilchards in Polpero, it's a fantastic pub. Okay. But we're not in Polpero, aren't no. we Right. Cod, Haddock. Yeah. Captain Haddock.
0: Yes, yes. And Captain Birdseye. Yeah, and Captain Birdseye. Captain Birdseye is the only one that hasn't got the name of a fish. <laughs> anyway, here we are. So we're we're not Season in polpera Where are we? We are in Chipperfield, and we're in not Dave's Chipperfield. Yeah, Dave's wonderful pub here at the windmill. And how long do you reckon we've been coming here? Well, you estimated it was around about seven years. Seven years. You? Yeah, we've been we've been here seven years. Not today, but over a seven-year period. Yeah. So we've known Dave since he was a young chap Well, to now when no, he's a stand for Biden. In fairness, we've never known Dave when he was young. We've seen photographs of him on
1: the wall. Yeah, yeah. And even then he looked old. But seriously, it's a great pub. It yes. is a really good pub. And Chipperfield is amazing. Tell me about Chipperfield. I mean, what well, do you know about Chipperfield? it's quite interesting. The name is Anglo-Saxon. Sea mm. pair, which meant trader, and field, which means... Field. Oh. So the common was obviously a trader's field. I reckon it was those sheep people. Uh, Shepherds? Yeah, coming down to sell Covent Garden. Because on our walks, we've been to loads of places where there's been grazing fields. Yeah. Proxy Green. Yeah. Leighton Buzzard. Yeah. And now Chipperfield. And now Chipperfield. It's interesting because on the common, there's actually two Bronze Age tumuli, hadn't it? I'm sorry to hear that. And... There's been some famous people associated with it. There's a Grade 2 listed manor house. Do you remember that one over there that I you wanted to buy?
0: do remember that one, it yeah. It would have
1: suited you. Well, that was owned... Mm-hmm. at one time by
0: Peter Sellers. Well, I heard a story, wasn't it Dave who told us the story mm. that Peter Sellers came in here with Sophia Loren oh into my the windmill? Did you hear that story? Didn't no, they?
1: I know they've made an episode of Midsummer Murders here. They've got the photographs of, yeah. um, what's his name? What's his but, name? Uh, Peter Sellers purchased the manor in 1959 and he lived here only three years so someone else has bought it but, you know, fabulous place. Anyone else been here famous? Oh, the other person whose family roots come from round here is ex American president Jimmy Carter. Peanut Carter. His predecessors lived at a place called Jeffrey's Farm. Oh. Hope Jeffrey didn't mind but Jeffrey's Farm, what in Chipperfield, near Chipperfield. Yeah. Oh, I didn't that's, know that. that's where the Carter family come from. And just down the road, there's another pub, which I think you've stayed at, but I've never been to. Oh, the
0: Two Brewers. The Two Brewers. Didn't you stay there?
1: I did. Actually, it's a really nice
0: homely place. Not particularly pretentious, but just a really nice homely place. And we really enjoy that. And they do good food. The Two Brewers is really good. Dave's is really good. But I think
1: Dave's is particularly good because of Dave. Yeah. I mean, the two brewers—it's it, put me off because it looks a bit like one of these Bernie's steak bars.
0: It is a bit of a chain-looking place. Yeah. I mean, Having said that, Dave's place, the windmill, that is a chain. I think everywhere's a chain.
1: Well, Dave's place is owned by Fuller's, isn't it? That's why you have Fuller's pride there. Oh, uh, right. And when he does a charity evening, which is about once a month, Fuller's donate a keg, yeah. with all the money going to yeah. that charity. Yeah. So pretty good. But the two brewers is interesting. When it was built in 1799, so it's getting on a bit. Really? How long ago was that? And a friend of yours used to spar hmm. there. Oh, yeah. A boxing champion by the name of Bob Fitzsimmons. He Bob to... Fitz who? <laughs> yeah, Bob Fitzsimmons. It sounds a bit Scottish, but yeah. he was... Um... Like Phil Cavity. Yeah, wasn't he a world boxing
0: champion or something? Phil Cavity? Yeah. Yeah, he was dead, <laughs>
1: This season two is quite exciting isn't yeah it? really exciting Um I understand that the format has been changed so we actually answer or try to answer questions that are posed by both our
0: listeners well that's right I thought as, as long as we got over one listener we could take questions we've actually got three listeners now and um, one of them's based in uh, the Kremlin
1: I might have said that before yeah his question was what you doing <laughs> Yes. Why you make podcasts? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. No, that isn't our first question. Our first question comes from a guy called Bill Wright from Oxford. Hello, Bill. Are you listening? Hi, Bill. Hello, Bill. And he has said that his wife, of a certain age, has become obsessed with something called the Zoe diet. Have you ever heard of the Zoe the diet? The Zoe
1: diet? Well, there's a number of Zoes, isn't he? There? There's Zoe Ball on the radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, Zoe Wanamaker was an actress. Oh, Zoe Wanamaker, and her dad put the Globe Theatre together. Didn't she marry um, some rich millionaire or something, as these actresses do? I don't know. Yeah?
0: Well, anyway, no. Isn't... You're married to an ex-actress, aren't you? Erm... Um, <laughs> well, no, she's still an actress. She certainly... <laughs> she's still an <laughs> She certainly acts up. So, what is this Zoe diet? Well, Bill Wright has said his wife is into this Zoe diet and has paid quite a lot of money for it, we'll go into that in a minute, but he wants to know what our thoughts are on it, is it a scam
1: or is it the real thing? Well I understand people's interest about diets but I think you have to be careful because really if you're considering changing a diet it's best to do it with some sort of medical guidance and I don't mean like old Bill down a um, pub who takes prescription medicines but a proper Qualified medical doctor, because you can do some dangerous things if you don't get the correct advice. What do you reckon, Raymond?
0: Well, no, I think you are absolutely right. I mean, last week we were talking about obesity in general, weren't we? And I think you said
1: something like, "We're not allowed to call it obesity any longer." Oh, I think it's, I think it's weight challenged. Well, 64% of adults in the UK
0: are overweight. However, you Over, overweight or obese, and. They reckon that the cost to the NHS by 2050 would be something like 10 billion quid, which is a lot of money, and at the moment, based on 2019, 20 figures, there were one million hospital admissions with weight-related problems
1: every year. Now, that's a hell of a lot. So there's a guy called Tim Spector. Didn't he used to be a chief honcho at uh, Motown in the States? Uh, Yeah, I think you're thinking of Phil Spector. Oh, that's right, yeah. Who I think might have been his dad. I'm not 100% sure. No, because I've watched the video with him in, and he sounds English. Phil Spector was definitely American.
0: So, good old Tim, who wrote The Diet Myth
1: and Spoon-Fed. Have you read either of those books? No, I haven't, but I understand he's not actually a professor of medicine, because he's Professor Spector. His qualification is in biology. So he's not a medic, he's a biologist. Okay, well,
0: good news for him, he's got 200... Just like you and I. Yeah, <coughs> but further up the food chain. Well anyway, there's 200,000 people in the UK on his waiting list trying to get this Zoe diet. And the Zoe diet costs you about 260 quid, or thereabouts, for a kit, and then it costs you roughly, depending on what plan you got, 50 quid a month thereafter. Some my friends' wives are right and they swear by it. Not swear at it, but
1: they swear by oh, it. Well, no wonder you lose a lot of weight from your wallets at 50 quid a month.
0: Well, you do. He's onto a winner here, because, I mean, we've had a million different fad diets. Not to say, of course, that the Zoe diet bill is a fad diet, or a scam diet in any way, shape, or form. We
1: wouldn't say that, would we? No. I looked at a video uh, by a reporter which included uh, Professor Spector, and it certainly seems, um, what's the word? It seems very intensive in terms of scientific backup. Yeah. So there seems to be a lot of analysis. Uh, This reporter was sending off, uh, I think it was poo samples once a month that were analyzed, and then according to the analysis of her gut bacteria, She was being advised on particular foods to eat.
0: Well, let me tell you what you get for your 300 quid. You get a box, and in the box I think there's three other boxes, roughly. And one of them is a thing that you prick your finger with and you get blood out. You stick it in a tube and you send it off. And that looks at blood fat and blood glucose and that sort of stuff. And then you get something to put a poo sample in. Not all of your poo, because that would be too much. Yeah, that would be a shoe box. I'm still
1: not sure about that. <laughs> Siri, shut up. Talking yeah. of which, Guy walks into the opticians. Yeah. And he's got a shoebox. Yeah. And the optician says, what's wrong? He says, have a look at that. And inside is this huge stall. And the optician says, well, surely you need to see don't you? He says, why have you come to the opticians? He says, well, every time I do one of those, my eyes water. <laughs> Cost. Now I mean, wait a minute. I'm finished yet. No. Talk, can we talk the cost? Yeah. So you said all this amount of money. Well, I happen to yeah. know that about ten years ago, God, the NHS cost for a blood sample for glucose or cholesterol or whatever was about sixty-five quid a time. That was ten years ago. Yeah. So no, I'm, I'm not he saying he could it. justify the cost. Yeah well basically
0: you've got three things one where you stick your blood in measures blood fat another one where you put your stool sample in and it looks at your gut microbiome all the bacteria that's floating around in there and then thirdly you've got this thing that you strap to your arm and monitors your blood sugar in all fairness to him apparently the initial results according to him is 82% of people on the trial said they had more energy after three months this year 83% said they no longer feel hungry I if that means they'll never eat again. And, by the way, this is a sample of 37,500 people. Sounds quite big. And they've lost 4.3 kilograms average
1: weight loss over three months. 4.3 kilograms is a bag of potatoes. Five kilogram bag of potatoes. Yeah. So, sure. that's,
0: it's not too bad, is it, over yeah. three months? Yeah. So, is it a good use of your money? I see you're paying for it, Bill. Or is it a bad use of your money? Well... I suppose if you take the easiest one first, the gut microbiome, they will give you some tailor-made diet how you can improve the quality of your microbiome. But the interesting thing about the gut microbiome is that as far as I can see, even though he argues that we're all different, he hasn't suggested to someone that they ought to eat more chips to improve their gut microbiome health. Or more coke or more processed
1: foods okay let let me ask you a question then this advice according to the video that I saw of this reporter who had undergone this program the dietary advice she was given tell me if this sounds familiar yeah it recommended certain foods to her to improve her general health so Mm. eat more apples yeah lentils plenty of vegetables yeah cut out salt and cut out sugar yeah now tell me have you ever heard that advice before
0: you know i've heard it so many times before you've only got to google it and look at how you're going to improve your microbiome and you might take some probiotics or prebiotics or something like that along with it but effectively you just got to eat healthy stuff so whatever he comes up with whatever the analysis of your stool as i said he's not going to tell you to eat more salt Or eat more burgers, he's Uh, going to tell you to eat
1: more healthy foods. I bet your bottom dollar, if you've got a bottom dollar... Yeah, I have. I bet your bottom dollar your mum and probably your grandmother gave you that advice. Certainly my grandmother said, you know, an apple a day keeps a doctor away. Yeah. Eat more vegetables, cut out salt and sugar. Apart from the scientific analysis, is there something new in the advice that you're getting which, let's be honest, is over £300 a year.
0: Well, exactly, and some people are saying that it's made a hell of a difference to their life and they feel great that it's tailor-made to them, but I would take exception to that and say, well, how tailor-made can you make things? I mean, there's only a certain number of food groups you can eat anyway. As I said, it's not going to make you eat any food groups that's out of the ordinary. It's going to be exactly like you said.
1: Yes, on the video this woman was in her box yeah as well as these like test tubes and other paraphernalia there were two muffins that she was advised to eat yeah it's the first time I've ever heard of a diet program that supplied you with special muffins I mean I've heard of special muffins certainly when I was a student my flatmate used to bake certain substances into muffins that would give you that sense of well-being well, the idea is you have the muffins and then you look at... Oh, your glucose spike. Your glucose spikes, yeah. Ah, I've gotcha.
0: So I think you have three sets of muffins and you start eating them on day three and you get three muffins for breakfast and then you fast for a while, two muffins for lunch, and then you perform this sugar test and so on and so forth. But again, I mean, what is that showing you? It's showing you that you get glucose spikes with muffins, but you can moderate your glucose... Why did you eat the right food in the first place?
1: Well, my first thought is if you're worried about your blood glucose levels, surely it's best to go to your GP, which doesn't cost you anything. They will then take a sample, and if he decides that you need to go through this spike test, they will do it on the NHS. You know, maybe referring you to hospital for a, a proper diabetologist to do it. Yeah. But you get all this done for nothing.
0: Well, there's some journalist who has said that not all carbs create massive sugar spikes, she's discovered in her monitor. Well, that's possibly right. Of course be right. I mean, there's slow-release carbs and there's fast-release carbs. And then the other thing she says, if I combine pasta with a vegetable-based sauce, I don't get a bit of a spike. Well, of course she doesn't. This woman also says, nothing is off the menu. I can eat what I like as long as I do it in moderation. Apparently, this app that goes with it helps to decide. So, super green food, presumably food that doesn't release much glucose or any, gets a score of 100, means she can eat as much as she likes. And if it's between 0 and 24, like a muffin, she can only eat once in a while. And that's really helped to moderate
1: her dietary habits. What do you think about that? I think first of all, I would go on the NHS website. Second, if that didn't satisfy me, I'd contact my GP. But if you remember what our parents and grandparents always said, you need a balanced diet. So that balanced diet consists of, you need protein, fats, and carbohydrates. So a lot of your protein you get from meat or from fish probably fish is healthier. The latest recommendations are fish twice a week with oily fish once a week. Um, That that sorts out your protein. Your carbohydrates seem to be mainly vegetables, so they talk about red vegetables, so tomatoes, chilies, radishes. They contain beta-carotene, which apparently one of the benefits is they're anti-cancer and fats you need a small amount of fat but not too much saturated fats and basically it seems to be try and cut out salt and sugar and cut down on saturated fats have a a varied diet regular vegetables but also regular
0: exercise and lay off the donuts and the coke yeah i mean it's as simple as that so in answer to your question bill i think we're of the opinion and it's only our opinion that you could get yourself a diet that would probably give you exactly the same as the Zoe diet for next to nothing.
1: On the NHS (laughs) website, there's one.
0: Yeah, so do you really need to spend all that money?
1: So, Ray, we've got Hmm. another question from a Mr Zelensky. Yeah, yeah. And he says, how much radioactivity can a body stand um i think we'll need to um look further into this yeah, we, need we to uh, look come back to that. him later yes yeah. sorry okay. mr Zelensky. we'll come back to you at a, a another later. episode yeah
0: if there is one um okay sharon turner from tamworth in arden says uh, since we're on the subject of diets and stuff like that she says a very very good question you said this a um an anti-obesity drug being trialled or about to be trialled in the UK and you'd like to know more about it and whether it's any good or not, whether you recommend it. Now, Sharon, we're not medics, we can't recommend anything
1: like that, but we can certainly give you some brief overview of what it does. Um, Mike, can you? And in fact, the wonderful National Health Service is doing a trial at the moment, a pilot study on this drug to see how effective it is. So it's going to be a little while till the results come through. But what I can tell you is that the trial is costing £40 million, so all us taxpayers, payers wahey! Well,
0: yeah, I'll ask you whether you think it's worth it in a minute, Mike, but um, according to a 2021 study by the New England Journal of Medicine, a reputable... That is the top number one journal in the world. Well, it's semaglutide and decent diet and some exercise. After 68 weeks... 50% of people on the trial lost 15% of their body weight and a third lost 20% compared with those only doing the lifestyle change bit who only lost 2.4%. So it seems to indicate that it does do something
1: quite clever. That doesn't seem like good expenditure for me because this is going to cost thousands, isn't it? Yeah. What, what's its mode of action, Ray? Because that's surely going to be a, a clue as to how useful it's going to be. Well, effectively, what it
0: does, in a non-convoluted way, it triggers an increase in certain hormones, which basically helps the body produce more insulin when it's needed. And going back to what we were talking about uh, last week about obesity, it's the insulin that controls blood sugar. And it reduces the glucose that is released by the liver, so it does control, again, the amount of blood sugar you've got. But it also slows... Uh, digestion which is quite interesting and it somehow reduces appetite but God knows how it actually does that probably because it controls the amount of glucose and glucose
1: controls the appetite that you have I mean my my first thoughts about this putting my Jeremy Hunt hat on so being parsimonious I didn't know you had a Jeremy Hunt hat yes I got a Jeremy Hunt hat being parsimonious I would have thought that really this is going to be useful in people with diabetes yeah if it stimulates the increase in insulin yeah because the weight loss doesn't seem massive and i understand there are some fairly serious side effects and contraindications so one of those i think if you've got any sort of kidney problems you're advised to certainly be cautious or not to take it I think also if you have any thyroid problems. So it's interesting that on the NHS website, that good old NHS website, there's no mention of this whatsoever. Presumably they're waiting until the clinical trial is carried out to find out more information. But certainly if, if I were a GP and I'm not medically qualified in one bit, if I were a GP, then from its mode of action, I would think it'd be useful in diabetes. And to anybody who wanted to lose weight, I'd say follow the diet, even if it's a Zoe diet, cut out on your fast foods and get more exercise. Well, if you've got a drug that supposedly
0: people think is going to control their weight, then what's the stop continuing to eat donuts and drink? coca-cola although the trial
1: i'm sure will advise these people to have a diet and exercise regime anyway well i think if you do the if you do the rough maths and we don't know how much it's going to cost at the moment but certainly nice the national institute of clinical excellence is going to look at the cost and i would guess i mean it's an injection isn't it yeah so, is it once a month or once a week or...? I think it's once a week. I'm not 100% sure. So, once, once a, a week. week. So, for an injection, it's going to be... I would guess it's going to be at least £100 a month. 25 yeah, quid a job. Yeah, it's
0: got to be. Easy.
1: So, if it's 1200 quid a year, I mean, you can do the maths. 64% of the population are overweight. That's roughly £35 million. At 1200 quid a year, we're going to get into some problems. Yeah, we're going to be talking about 130 million extra a year on the NHS budget. Now, I'm no economics expert, but I would guess if you ask the NHS to stump up another 130 million when they've got nurses that are criminally having to pay their own parking costs at the hospital on a low salary, I would think you'd get a short answer from the NHS.
0: Well, it's, that's only the icing on the cake. There's another drug by Eli Lilly called tazepatide I don't know if you've heard of that. And that's predicted to hit turnover of $48 billion
1: by about 2050. I mean, some of these newer drugs are quite expensive. You know, Herceptin, the anti-cancer drug that came out, which undoubtedly has good results. I mean, I know when I was working in the pharmaceutical industry, that used to cost, get this... Thirty-six thousand pounds per patient per year Jeez. so these things are not cheap and i think it's unfair to put on doctors the choice between do i treat this one patient with say for instance herceptin or this glenova or whatever it's called or you know 56 patients get a hip replacement If I was the doctor, I'd go with the hip replacement every time. No,
0: I agree with you. I mean, this other drug, which uh, is (coughs) available in the States, it does two things. It does what semaglutide does, but it also increases the communication of nutrient intake from your gut to the islets of Langerhans, which control the release of, of insulin. So that is a double whammy on that one, and that's supposed to be a game changer. But to Sharon... Turner, those are the two major drugs on the horizon at the moment and the semaglutide is the one to watch out for because that is the one under trial at the moment. But, I mean these drug companies will make a fortune out of this and that's what it's all about and they will publicise it from now till when the cows come home but at the end of the day if you were told what diet to go on and you stuck by that diet for I don't know 80% of the population that would make a vast difference, and yeah, there are a few people on the edges of the normal distribution curve that maybe this doesn't quite apply to. But for the majority of people, like we said before, if you cut down on your glucose, you cut down stuff like salt, you eat plenty of vegetables, you drink plenty of water, the usual stuff you get from the doctor, you are going and you stick to it, you're going to lose weight.
1: I mean, call me old-fashioned, but there was an interesting article in the Sunday Times at the weekend. Uh, Written by a doctor, medically qualified man, and he and his brother are genetically identical twins. okay. And his brother has gone to America. He's still practicing medicine in this country. But his brother has gone to America, and in two years, he's put on 30 pounds weight while he's been in America. And he's put that down to consumption of fast food. So call me old-fashioned, but I think if I were a GP, if I were Dr Martin down in Paul Ruin or wherever it was, and a patient came to see me asking for advice on losing weight, I would recommend, first of all, plenty of exercise. So maybe, I think the NHS recommends three walks a week. I'd say, look at your diet, cut out salt and sugar, cut out processed foods, never buy a Big Mac I think I've had one in the past 10 years don't get any takeaway food you know cook as much from spec as possible the general advice as we said before eat plenty of fresh fruit particularly apples plenty of red vegetables and plenty of green vegetables to give you the roughage so Sharon I hope that uh, has answered your question
0: Uh, I'm sure it probably hasn't but uh, never mind there you go there you go (laughs)
1: And here's an interesting story that appeared on the BBC News earlier this week. A female passenger was furious when, on a flight, she was forced to sit next to an obese passenger during the flight. The unnamed woman took to TripAdvisor to complain, saying she thought her rights had been violated. The passenger insisted that the armrest was up and she flopped right across. She says, She said, I sat down, mentioned the situation to a crew member, couldn't get another seat. She added, her leg was under the seat in front of me, she was touching me from shoulder to toe, but worst of all, her arm and shoulder were resting on me, and I couldn't get out of the seat because she couldn't get up without help. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's appalling, isn't it? Yeah, that's really bad. That's appalling.
0: Think of her carbon footprint. Think how much it costs to get her one to the airport and then get her from A to B in the airplane. I think people who are over a certain BMI should have to pay
1: extra. There was another interesting one. This was up in Lancashire, when a llama escaped onto a motorway and stopped all the traffic. The llamas aunties caused queues leading up to the motorway and it's not yet known how the llama ended up on the road. Excellent, and our good old British police, the Lancashire Police Force, arrived and escorted, or it says, shepherded the animal to safety. Nice. Is shepherd a right word you use for controlling a llama? I don't know, but it certainly sounds like an
0: alarming story. Have you heard about Lindsay McCabe, a holistic therapist? This is an interesting one. An Airbnb hostess from hell was convicted at Chester Magistrates Court last week. Lindsay McCabe, a holistic therapist, rented out a room in a home near Chester to Jane Dillon, party planner, model and actress. On the 20th of January, McCabe wrongly concluded that Dillon was a prostitute and entered a room shortly after a guest went to bed and began slapping and kicking her, shouting, Get out of my house. I know what you are. You are a sex worker. McCabe was ordered to pay Dylan £500 in compensation. That's, um, you could almost say, rubbing someone up the wrong way. Absolutely. There's another obesity-related one here, sort of. A woodyard worker from Kent is so addicted to cheese that he spent more than 60000 quid a year funding his habit. Can you believe that? Mark King, 54, eats two blocks of cheddar cheese a day. His favourite is a sandwich containing one whole block, along with marmite. He avoids dishes like macaroni cheese, however, as he finds them insufficiently cheesy. His wife Tracy told the Daily Mirror that she isn't worried. I took him to the GP for bloods and all that and everything came back perfect. The GP said because he'd been eating it for so long, he's become acclimatised to it.
1: I love this story from Southampton. As a chap, I can name him because it comes up on the, the Southampton Echo website. Miguel Castro, age 26. He was caught by police after an officer was handed his mobile phone while investigating a separate incident. Castro, however, was not in the area. The officer tried the passcode 1234, (laughs) which, to her surprise, opened the phone. On the device, the officer found text messages offering cannabis for sale and texts from others asking for drugs. However, it gets worse, Castro went into the police station where he asked to have his mobile phone back. They heard that when his address was searched, 128 grams of cannabis was seized with a street value of 900 pounds. Also at his home, get this Ray, talk about a Wally. Also found at his home were bags and business cards. And on the business cards, it added that his activities, quote, involved a regular supply of cannabis. What's his name? Miguel Castro? Yeah. Is that his real name? Well, apparently. You know, ages ago we had that thief that broke into someone's house in the winter and his footprints were found in the snow leading back to his home. Yeah, I mean, I could be a better criminal than half of these people. thought you were. Well... (laughs) Keeping us right up to date talking about cars, which I think we're going to talk about electric cars at some time in the future. Researchers at Nottingham have been researching people's responses to driverless cars. But basically, this wasn't a driverless car. The driver was made up to look like a seat. So if you looked into the car, it looked like a driverless car. And this was at the University of Nottingham, where they drove around the campus with an apparently driverless car but with this guy that was made up to like a seat um, <laughs> and one of the things they were looking at people's responses and one of the things was because obviously this chap was like slowing down at a zebra crossings so for people to cross people still waved and smiled at the <laughs> car even though to all intents and purposes there was nobody in there I mean, one of the stories I used to love, on my daily commute over to Searle from Watford, I used to have to go through a couple of busy places like Chalfont and the edge of Wickham. And there was a guy in the office, more senior to me, I'm sure I can mention him, Phil Blake. He was a lovely bloke. One of the most intelligent guys I've ever met. But he had this amazing sense of humour. And going through Wickham to get to our offices, there was always a traffic jam and it was one summer, so the weather was hot, he had his window wound down and he wore a gorilla mask and gorilla hands <laughs> and when they pulled up at a traffic jam, he got the window down, wound down. So he put his arm out of the window and tapped the side (laughs) and people were amazed to see this gorilla hand and a gorilla driving the car. Lovely.